Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. I am joined by Ken Andruco and Kate Jaramillo this morning, and we're going to talk a little bit about the metrics that matter for entrepreneurs. So Ken and Kate, thanks for joining me, and uh, I'm going to kick it off with some questions, you guys. Awesome. Super excited to be here. <laughs> um, entrepreneurs, right? A little bit of a different breed than most. Uh, sometimes, as Ken and I found in a recent summit, that uh, relatability between entrepreneurs is, is a powerful thing because sometimes it's a struggle with uh, people who aren't quite in that, that world to relate to the problems, the goals, just the general lifestyle of an entrepreneur. And I think it's, it's a great opportunity for people like us to get together and talk about these things because it makes a difference, right? And one of the first questions I have for you guys is as an entrepreneur, and this is just, you know, speaking in, in large generalities, but is, do you believe that success is measured differently than let's say the, the rest of the, the professional world? Ken, yeah. let's start with you. As opposed to the rest of the general world? Yeah, the professional world, right? Let's say that someone's working the, uh, you know, let's work with an avatar. Someone who's working like the eight to five, 40 hour, you know, corporate job. Um, or maybe even just a general small business owner who runs a bakery, right? Entrepreneurs are a little bit different. We, we have different metrics. We have different things that we're looking for. And I think one of my favorite quotes, too, I don't know where it came from, but I'll paraphrase anyway, is that entrepreneurs are willing to do things, willing to do things now that other people won't do so that they can live a life later that other people can't. And there's a lot of struggle that gets into, you know, starting off as an entrepreneur. It's just, it's, there's unknowns, there's um, no structure many times to how they, how we approach things. We're just trying to solve problems. And for that matter, I think, you know, success is a different goal, right? It's a different metric. And how do you guys think that that is actually different? Yeah. You know what? I think the, let's start with the commonality and, and the commonality of success should always, I believe should always feeling happy that you're, you're, you're working within your unique ability that, you know, you're, you're spending a majority of your time there. Uh, I think everyone should strive for that, whether you're working for an organization or whether you own the organization. But the, maybe the difference between entrepreneurs and the general worker bee, probably, I think I find a lot of, in entrepreneurialism because or started their own company because they wanted to help more people um, they wanted to help people see what they see in relation to being successful and 
having freedom of time, uh, money, relationship, and purpose. So uh, maybe that's one of the key differentiators, um, that ability to, to help. What do you think, Kate? You know what? I think it. I think it's really about. Um, I think entrepreneurs really, really crave freedom in every aspect of their life. You know, freedom to work the hours that they want to do, freedom to create, freedom to not have a cap on their salary, freedom to have time to travel or spend time with their loved ones, or you know, do the things that they love with the people that they love the most. And I think that that's kind of where you know, they, they start with like this, this good idea, but they begin dreaming right away. And I feel mm. like with entrepreneurs, their dreams are so very much based on the idea of freedom. Like what would my life look like if I could create this and then not have to work for anybody else? Yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, throw a, a bit of a curveball here because I think it's important to define some of the terms that we use here. How, how would you guys define an entrepreneur? Like, let me give you some examples. So with someone who is a third generation owner of a bakery, are they an entrepreneur? Or is an entrepreneur something different than a business owner or someone who's self-employed? Yeah. One, right? Yeah. I mean, entrepreneurs in my way of thinking, um, are innovators and visionaries. Um, I think, I mean, I know lots of people that are in second, third, fourth generation businesses, um, that go to work every day. Um, I, I wouldn't say that they've innovated much within their business that they, for all intents and purposes, inherited. But in some cases, they are. And I think you see multi-generational businesses fail oftentimes because someone comes in and innovates in a business that is operating just fine or others that come into a business get uh, believe that, um, that, that no innovation is, is needed. They're just there to collect a check. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of different um, nuances to that. Yeah, I think Ken just made a really good point because I was sitting here, I'm like, what What would differentiate just like a business owner, somebody that almost inherited a family business from an entrepreneur? And I think he hit it, like being an innovator. When you first asked that question, I was like, I don't know, somebody with like adult ADD, you know? Like <laughs> we just were like, oh, that sounds great. I want to do that. And I feel like that's how I am a lot of ways. I'm like, you see, I think entrepreneurs see opportunity in everything in everything. We see like a, a, a bigger picture, right? Going back to that, that dream, that vision, we see it in, in everything. And so it, it like drives us to innovate and be more creative. I actually also think another way to look at that, Kate, is that we strive to find challenges because that's where opportunity resides, right? We look for sticking points. We look for areas where people might give up because it's too challenging. We look for big challenge. That's where the opportunity is. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think about, it, I use my dad as an example. You know, my dad um, is a, was a dentist. He, he went back to dental school, you know, when he was 30, which at that time was a, uh, a big deal. Uh, it was very late to go back to dental school. In fact, most schools didn't even accept him because he was too old. And, uh, 
and he started his own business. He started his own practice, right? Did he innovate anything necessarily? I don't know, but he definitely took risks. And I don't know if, if risk is a dictator, you know, is, will dictate what an entrepreneur does, but I, I think you're, I think you're both spot on. I think ultimately, in my opinion, that, um, it comes down to solving problems, you know, looking for problems, uh, that other people don't see or don't recognize and, and coming up with solutions in a very similar way to what you said, Ken, about, you know, looking for big challenges and, and, and taking them on. And, uh, I think that's kind of a fundamental difference is, you know, a certain amount of risk, um, is taken within entrepreneurship as well as, um, the ability to solve problems in an innovative way. And, uh, I, it, it's always good when we start talking about things like, um, problems or goals of entrepreneurs to, to define the actual term, right? Because <laughs> um, a lot of people don't know. I had this conversation a lot, like, well, what, what's the difference between a, a self-employed and an entrepreneur? I don't know. You know, someone who's selling things on eBay, you know, for a 20% margin, are they entrepreneurs? Maybe, but they're doing it new. But I guess that definition is within uh, everyone's, um, you know, personal viewpoint of it. So, I ask you guys, go ahead, Ken. I've, uh, I've, I've often been heard to say that if you leave me in a company that I've built that's operating really well and status quo occurs, I'll screw it up just to have something to do. <laughs> so you better get me out of the way pretty quickly. <laughs> because, I mean, we don't want businesses to get to the point where it operates well. And that you have great, a great team that loves to that loves status quo, but us as entrepreneurs and visionaries or whatever you want to term us, uh, we don't operate well there. Um, we're always looking to innovate and change, um, and that that doesn't generally bode well for your team. Um, and that's that's why we need to get out of the way pretty quickly. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and I have jokes, but it's really not a joke is that I've, in many ways, I've made myself unhirable um, by self-selection in most, most typical uh, career paths because I'll always try to tweak something or try to find a different way to do it than everyone else is doing it. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does frustrate a lot of people around you 100%. I'm, I'm working with a client right now who is doing extraordinarily well. Uh, but but he constantly is innovating. I also work with some of his team, and there's always this battle. Like, when are we ever going to get a chance to just you know take what's been created and and let it operate? I'm like, well, it's never going to happen until that leader gets out of that, that out of the way and moves on to something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Now we've, we've defined a little bit about what an entrepreneur is, right? Kind of the mindset and, and the qualities of an entrepreneur. Uh, we talked a little bit about what dictates success. And I think we all agree that freedom uh, is a big one, you know, freedom to work on the things you want to work on, work with the people you want to work with, work at the time that you want to work at, uh, all of those things. Where do you think most entrepreneurs go wrong when it comes to looking at the metrics that dictate their success? Uh, I think they start with worrying about how much money they're making. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 and it's, 
it's not about money. It is not about money. And it, it's about doing what you love to do, what you are uniquely qualified to do, which will differentiate you from anyone else in the world. Um, and making sure that you are headed towards the things that you love to do. So having the freedom of time, money, uh, relationship and purpose. Money is not a part of any of those, those like the amount of money is not a part of any of those things. And if I find that when people start with a preconceived notion of how much money they need to make, they're often wrong. And it, it ultimately holds them back. Yeah, not only are they often like wrong, but they, because they focus just on that financial number, they lose all of the other freedoms that are important to them. They end up working, you know, a million hours a week and sacrificing the time with their loved ones. And they don't go on vacation. They don't even go outside. They, they don't have friendships. They're so, you know, just focusing on their online, behind the computer, whatever they're doing, um, just because they're trying to hit a number. Can so you have, I, yeah. How would you, if you got a client on a, on a call, you're working with them and they start the conversation, like when you say, you know, what, what are you struggling with right now? And they start with, uh, well, I need to make more money. How do you answer that question? Yeah, you know, I would ask them why. Why do they need to make more money? Because I think like so many, so many entrepreneurs have this like preconceived like, well, I need to be earning six figures within the first six months. It's almost like a, because um, social media says I should. So I think like pivoting, like just falling back to them, like, well, why? Why do you need to make more money? Um, I think, and then once they realize that like, they actually don't, and maybe they, and the truth is, and, and I've been in this position, sometimes they drive up their overhead, sure. you know, and then, and you look at it and you're like, but is, was this an investment that you need to make? Is this an investment that you need to make every single month? Because right now it's, it's killing you. And I'm all for like a life of abundance and law of attraction and, you know, putting things out there that you want to attract. And living like you feel, like, you know, moving in a way that you feel abundant. But that does not mean outsourcing every single thing that you have because that's what somebody told you to do. And now your overhead is 10K a month and you're like pooping your pants every month trying to get to hit that number, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a powerful question. Why? Doesn't it also lead to when you, when you think you need more of money or anything doesn't it lead to a mindset of scarcity because you're already starting with i don't have enough yeah scarcity and what i have right now is not enough and i'll be happy when right. instead of being able to have gratitude in the moment and we know that gratitude attracts and desperation and lack repels that's right yeah it's an interesting thing and i think a question of why is very powerful why do you need more money and then asking well when what how much is enough and because there's a big difference between income, right? Total income and, and, and take home and how much you actually make and how much you put in the bank and how much you're investing and how much you're doing. Because that's, that's where the freedom really, and I, I talk about this often and, and Kate and I had the pleasure of working with, um, you know, um, someone who's very talented in, in, in the money management space of, well, you know, there's a big difference between 
income and, and wealth accrual. And wealth is where freedom is made, right? Um, but wealth can be not just financial, it can be a lot of different things. And I think that's, that's a powerful um, statement is, is, well, okay, how much money do you really need to make and why do you want to make it? And if you can start there, not a lot of people don't even bother asking those questions as they go. Um, and understanding money for what it is, it's just, you know, it's, just, it's, it's an exchange of value and that's the way it's, it's been for quite a long time. But we do put a lot as a society, we put a lot of value on it. You know, people want to know, Hey, how much do you make? You know, it's funny though. Um, side anecdote is like, I think since I've left California, I don't think anyone's actually asked me how much I make. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you anything about culture. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, it's just not important. Right. Like, for those that it's important to, they don't get it. You know, like there's there's plenty of people in the world that live a life of of what a lot of people would call poverty, but you see a smile on their face every day. Yeah. I see a lot of people with a lot of money that don't have that smile. It, it, they've complicated their lives because of money. And if money is not the thing. I mean, I guess I, that maybe it's too strong a statement, but I actually have a bit of disdain for money um, because I find that it really complicates things and it really gets in the way of great, authentic conversations um, that will move people forward because they're stuck in the sense of, yeah, but how's that going to help me make more money? Okay, here's, here's a, a loaded question. Can money actually make you happy? Well, I think that wealth in general, like what you're saying, it can afford us, again, the opportunity to do the things that we love with the people that we love. But it's not just about the number. I think it's more about like what it can provide in your life, right? Like, Is it, is it, is it in that order or is it if you find a way to do the things you love, wealth happens? Because otherwise, you can't have wealth and then find the things. I don't know, Ken. I take pretty expensive vacations. <laughs> <laughs> so does Ken. Yeah. Well, I think it comes back to this, right? And this is a nice uh, segue into the kind of the, the biggest topic of, of today's conversation, in my opinion, is, you know, why, why is it so critical then to start with the, the end in mind? Right. When we talk about money and when we talk about time management, we talk about the people we want to live with. People just start on these journeys and, you know, I've done it numerous times. You'll start on a journey uh, with not really knowing where you want it to, where you want it to take you. And sometimes that's the fun of it. Right. I mean, you're not, you don't know. You just know that a gut feeling says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start down this road with this endeavor. But ultimately we want to know, and we can use money as a, you know, a temporary placement for this conversation is like, well, if, if my goal is to get to a certain earnings, you know, one of my goals is to get to a certain amount of earnings, you know, well, what does that give me? Right. What is that money going to buy me in that, that I value, you know, is it going to give me more time with my loved one? Is it going to give me um, more time in the outdoors that I enjoy? Is it going to give me more time traveling to new places? Like what, you know what I mean? Like we're, why is it in your guys' opinion so critical to, to have an understanding or is it critical to you to have an understanding of, of where you want to go before you start? I, I think the monetary side of it is only 
a very small piece of the overall what should be your end goal. Um, and, and I go back to, you know, working within your, your own uniqueness, uh, what makes you different in the world and making sure that you're spending at least 60 to 70% of your time there so that you can differentiate against all others in your marketplace. Um, and, and show people the value of working with you. I, I you know, like the, the end goal of having a plan, um, understanding your project, uh, you know, some people plan out a year, some people have a five-year plan, some people have a 20-year plan. Um, I, I think asking yourself the right questions is kind of, the most important part and you know eric you and i spent a lot of time um going through a filter asking you know what's what is the project that we're working on whatever that happens to be why is it important what the ideal outcome is what's the best result if we take action what's the worst if we don't and finally what has to be true for this to be successful um, I think going through those filters as you look at the end goal uh, is critical. I agree. I agree. And it's, you know, you mentioned uh, having a five-year or 20-year goal, right? And I'm going to say with absolutely zero backing, just a gut feeling that 90 5% of the people on this planet walk around with not knowing what they want in 20 years or 30 years or 50 years. And, uh, that, that's a huge realization. I mean, if you, if you can sit down and actually think, well, what do I want out of my life? Where's all this going? You know, what do I want for, you know, the people that, um, surround me that that's a very powerful thing. I mean, I, I personally didn't do it until about two years ago. And it changed everything. I'm like, oh, now I have a clear vision of where I want to go. And then it starts to dictate the choices that you make and the actions that you do. And not only that, but why you're doing them. And that's even more powerful, right? Same. I did like the same thing for a while. I would just like put a certain revenue number that like I wanted to make based on like a number that I just like liked that I felt aligned with. Um, But what like not knowing like what I would even be doing with that number. It was like, well, what's the point? And I feel like, like really like creating a vision for how I want my life to like what I want my life to look like, how I want my family to like look and feel and what we're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis and how my time is going to be spent. It really keeps me focused then on the days that like, I feel like I'm sucking and failing, you know, like I'm holding on to like that good feeling of like what the future is going to look like. And I'd rather work for that exact vision than like some random number that I have no idea what it means to me. Ken, do you remember at our, uh, our fall workshop when um, you brought up the analogy of, of the plane? Yeah. To ex- yeah. Dive into that because I think it's a really good timing for that one. Well, I, it starts with a question and that is how often do you think a plane is off course if it's flying from Los Angeles to New York. How often is it off course? A lot. 96%. <laughs> what? Flying to New York 
it is on course and there's always these little corrections to bring it back on course. And somehow it always makes it to the destination. That's life. That's, that's like literally, we have a plan, we have a destination, but we're constantly editing what we do um, and how it gets done and um, our thought process behind it. That's what it is to be, I think that's what it is to be a human being, but when you have a very specific goal in mind, um, if you're stressed out by the fact that you're off course, you're, you're in for a life of stress. Because <laughs> you're always off course. And you're always having to make corrections. Right? And, and that's why like, if you put a 20-year goal out there, really what you need to be focused on is 90 days at a time. And you can imagine, let's say you start off um, with the goal of climbing Mount, Mount Everest. I don't know how long it takes to do that, but I, I think it's like a couple of months anyway, um, plus the whole, you know, pre-amble planning it all out. If, if you only look at the end goal, I would say that a, a, there's a large likelihood that you're going to quit before you get there. But if at the end of every day, as a part of the process of climbing Mount Everest, you look back at what you've gained in that day, you'll never quit. But if you look 20 years in, in the future, put your pin or flag in the, stand, in the sand, and then decide how on 90 day increments you're gonna make your way there. And then at the end of every 90 days, you look back on that 90 days to see what you've accomplished, and then just make the plan to, to make the next 90 days better and just keep looking back, I, I say that you get there. Probably, probably before the 20 years is up. Does that make any sense? That makes total sense. And I think, uh, you know, it's if we're talking about the, the entrepreneur as a collective, right? Ooh. Tend to have a little bit higher levels of anxiety angst For sure. right because mm -hmm. um, we're playing in the unknown quite often but when you look at your your business life or just life in general right i mean that, that's the beauty of it too is that you know as an entrepreneur it's not just your, your business and life are intertwined um unconditionally they're they're together and if you start looking at, at life in that way and your business as well you know hey i'm looking at this in a 20 30 year vision it actually relieves quite a bit of, of stress or anxiety. Uh, and I know it's not just for me, it's for a lot of people that we work with that I've helped them go through this exercise is like, okay, all right, you know, I got, I may have made a small error here, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm back on track. And that's, um, that's a really powerful thing. I mean, peace of mind is everything. You know, you're still gonna have those moments of, of anxiety and, and, you know, wondering if you're doing the right thing because you, honestly, you may not know until a year from now or two years from now if you're, if you're doing it the right way. But as long as you're open to staying on the course and knowing that you're always going to be course correcting and that's just the journey, then it, it, it provides solace in that, I believe. Yeah, um, and if, you, if you are looking at the previous 90 days, did I make progress or did I not? Mm -hmm. you're, never 90, you're never more than 90 days at risk towards your 20-year plan, right? Yeah. So That's I, reassuring. That like that feels really good. Right. And if I if I'm if I'm always 
living in the gap between today and the end goal and always looking at the end goal, I'm screwed because I have no way to measure, am I, make, am I making progress? But I can, if I look back 90 days, did I make progress? Yes, no, okay, I need to course correct. Yeah, mm -hmm. yes. And, and ultimately, people overestimate what they can do in a year, right? But I, I think that really helps people. Yeah, I, I think that that idea of living 90 days at a time starts to relieve some of the anxiety. Totally. Kate, any yeah. final thoughts? I'm actually just thinking about 90 days from now and where I'm going to be. <laughs> I really love that. And I love, um, I love the, the airplane that, that Ken shared and how many times we go off course. That is definitely something that um, I've really gotten better at over the past few years is not focusing on the how, but focusing on like the, the final, the end goal, which, you know, again, kind of like wraps back into what you were saying about why it's so important to have that end goal in mind. Um, and instead of being so focused on how we're going to get there. Hey, Kate, when, you, when you say that, when you set an end goal, do you set it because of what you want or why you want it? Um, well, it was just what I wanted, but now it's really why I want it. And I want to be very clear too, that my goals have changed as my, my life and my family has changed a little bit. Some of the things that I thought I wanted. So I actually, I thought that I wanted to retire my husband from his job, but you know what? I actually don't. I really just like, I, I liked the idea of being able to do that, but it was more ego driven. I actually don't want that. I think it's good that like he goes outside of the home and like has that life out there and he enjoys what he does and it makes him happy. And I like having the space to do my own thing too. Um, so my goals have just have changed. Um, but there are certain things that really haven't, which is, still being able to maintain this, this lifestyle of freedom and being able to provide my children with the education and experiences that are the most important to them. My goal now is more about legacy and what I'm doing for my family and how I can support um, the people that I love the most in my life now and when I'm not here anymore. And that, that's something that I just think I grew into, but that's legacy is something that I've been holding on to now for a few years. There's a, uh, there's a great quote from Aristotle that says, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Mm. Yes. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I think that's really what you just described. Yeah. Cause you're learning what it is you, who you really are and what's important to you. And why, why you do what you do. Yeah. So that means you're getting to know yourself, which is the beginning of all wisdom, right? And I have to say something that like, I have put myself on a social media diet over the past year, meaning that I'm just not consuming as much on social because I realized how it was distorting. It was making me not know myself. 
I, I was learning more about other people and their goals and what they wanted. And like, that's cool and all, but we're all completely unique. Um, and, and I, I think that, that because I'm not consuming so much, I'm more in my own head and heart. Yeah. Social media is a sure way to make yourself unhappy. Yeah. So give you that. <laughs> if you're looking for an unhappy button, just, just flick that one on. No social media in Aristotle's days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We get on calls with technology partners all the time. And, uh, I have no idea what the hell they're talking about most times because it's all about social and I am just not <laughs> on social media. No, no, you're not Ken. <laughs> uh, like I have a little Instagram thing that I do every once in a while. Uh, but like, I just don't consume it. I, I, I so I'm out of the loop on it, which is really nice. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Well, I mean, this, this social media is just the uh, inst- instantaneous way to fall into the comparison trap. And, and oh, the thing about comparison is that, you know, it's uh, no one, no one ever compares down. They always compare up mm-hmm. right? you're always comparing to people who you think um, are ahead of you in life, which, you know, as we start talking about the metrics that, you know, like we have today that really matter, was a good chance they may not be. Um, but no one ever looks the other way. No one ever says, wow, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate to have all the things that I have and the people that I have. No one, no one goes that way. And that's, uh, and that's the trap. So as we wrap this up, Ken, any, any further thoughts on, uh, or final thoughts on, on metrics that matter for entrepreneurs? Happiness and freedom. That's it. Yeah. It's not that complicated. If you, if you stay focused on your unique abilities, you will likely find your way to those freedoms. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Ken Andruco, Kate Jaramillo, great conversation. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast, and you can expect a lot more from us.